Warning, the Federal Communications Commission requires that we inform you that this episode of the Derek Duvall Show may contain content inappropriate for children. Listener discretion is advised. The FCC also requires us to inform you that this episode may contain the words f***, s***, asshole, mother boy, dumpster, galloping quit, but in like a British way, and also, strangely, cul-de-sac. Once again, this show may contain content not suitable for anyone but the coolest children. Listener discretion is advised. Powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to Friends, Foes, and Neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings, as what you are about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for insightful interviews with incredible people. Join us now as we delve ever deeper into the human condition. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Production Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello! Hey, everybody. Hi. Thank you so much. Please sit. Thank you. Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. This episode is brought to you today by the fine folks at BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. That's Better, H-E-L-P.com slash Derek Duvall Show. So before we jump into this episode, I want to say a massive thank you to my last guest, Paul Bariff. His historic episode was incredibly well received. And if you have not heard our very in-depth interview, and I do mean in-depth, I strongly advise you to check it out after the conclusion of this episode. So welcome to episode 203, and we have a very fun episode lined up for you today. We are on the show, Deborah Kagan. Deborah is a mojo recovery specialist helping countless women rediscover their erotic powers. Deborah will be discussing how she got into this line of work, what drives her, takes your questions, and discusses her latest book, Undressed, an invitation to claim your erotic nature. I need to forewarn you in advance, there is some talk of sexual assault and rape in this interview. So if that's a triggering for you, you know what, heads up. That being said... Deborah is a fireball of positive sexual energy and a real pleasure to speak to. So let's get her out here. Duval Nation, please welcome to the show, calling in today from Los Angeles, California, Deborah Kagan. <laughs> Deborah, hello. Welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. How is the weather out by you today? Derek, it is so delicious today. It's a beautiful, like warm fall day. The sun is out. The breeze feels good. It's awesome. So yeah. with, with the pandemic now winding down, how was it for you to navigate the COVID-19 world? Really? <laughs> I mean, was it fun for anybody? The beginning was harder than I thought. I'm okay. Like I enjoy my own company. So I wasn't so concerned about that. But month after month after month of no hugging, no saying hello, no shaking a hand. No, that actually started to get to me. And I was lucky enough that one of my very dear friends who also uh, was living solo at the time, 
in Austin, we said, Hey, let's just hang out for 10 days. So I took a two day road trip from LA to Austin and I put my dog Lola in the car and we hightailed it. And, um, and that, that turned a corner for me. And that was uh, sort of um, beginning of um, summer of 2020. And then that, that broke the ice and I didn't feel so isolated and terrible after that. Fair enough. So every journey has a beginning. Where were you born and what was it like to grow up there? Well, in the beginning, I was actually born in Baltimore, Maryland, which my new, and then uh, my my dad was in um, medical school there, f- finishing his residency. But so we're we're all native New Yorkers, but see, native New Yorkers say you're not a native New Yorker because you were born in Baltimore. And I said, look, my whole family is from New York. We just happened to be in Baltimore for my dad's job for a nanosecond when I was born. But growing up in New York was. You know, it was kind of everything. Um, I grew up fast because of it. I was, uh, my folks got divorced when I was young. And so by the age of seven, I was walking down the streets on the, you know, Upper East Side by myself, going to McDonald's to get myself some dinner. Um, It was kind of wild, frankly. And, uh, And it also gave me a sense of like culture and this big melting pot, how we're really all more connected and and uh, alike than we aren't. And I, when I look back on it, I'm grateful for that lesson. Hmm. What were some of your early career aspirations? Well, as a young person, I wanted like little person, I wanted to be a dancer, hmm. and I also for a little while wanted to be a veterinarian. However, once I learned that when you're a veterinarian, you needed to deal with like sick animals and that they were going to be, you know, bloody and you might have to operate and they'd be in pain. I quickly decided that would not be for me. And the dancer thing sadly got squashed by a dance teacher of mine when I was going through puberty because I developed earlier than all the girls. And she was like, you know, with that chest, you're never going to be a dancer. So just give up basically. (laughs) And what a horrible thing to do, right? To a young girl who's just liking to dance and feeling good and having fun and has this aspiration. So that was frankly kind of devastating. So that was actually one of the first moments that I was shamed, you know, for my body. And that was at least one of the first memories that I have that somebody else shamed me. And it really planted that seed of, wait, is there something wrong with me? Which you know, with we'll get to where I am now, but it kind of makes sense why I am so passionate about what I do and how I serve women these days. Fair enough. So what are you some of your favorite memories from your time at NYU? You, you know, it was honestly the film production. So yeah, I went to NYU film school and I was on an all-girl film crew. So when I went to my first class with um Charles Mertzbacher, shout out to you. Um, And it was called Sight and Sound 101. And you were learning how to start to make films. And it was, I think, about 16 or 17 guys and three of us gals. (laughs) And the three gals, we joined up and made our own female film crew. And just really some of my favorite memories were going out on the streets of, you know, New York and shooting 16 millimeter black and white film and feeling so alive and creative and avant-garde. And, you know, I remember sitting um, 
in front of my window in my apartment, you know, in Manhattan and typing out a screenplay thinking this, I'm, this is just so groovy. And it was that, that sense of being so connected to creation energy um, and being in a community that was also doing that. I like just, I loved every moment of that for the time that I was there. That's amazing. How did Atma Jules come into your life? Oh my goodness. Poor Atma Jules, not poor Atma Jules. Atma Jules was around for uh, a little over 20 years. You know, I got, I worked in the film industry on the producing end of things. That's what moved me from New York to Los Angeles. I swore I was never leaving New York, but I couldn't get a job in New York at the time. And I, um, and then this producer hired me to come work for his company, which brought me across the country. And the interesting thing about that while I thought my life was going to be all about film and producing and being creative in that way, I really see now that going to LA was the move that was necessary in order for me to feel comfortable getting out of the metaphysical closet. Okay. Because in New York, back in the late 80s, early 90s, if you were a vegetarian, if you were into crystal healing, if you were into energy healing, these were really bizarre things to be into at that time. And coming to LA, it was everybody, this was normal. And then I thought, oh, these are my people. And so it introduced me to the world of feng shui, um, which totally changed my life when I hired a consultant uh, to work with me on my apartment at the time. And when I say changed my life, I mean, I instantly slept better. I got a raise that I did not ask for within six weeks. Uh, my relationship took uh, went to the next level without me, you know, asking for that either or kind of, you know, uh, making a stand for that. My whole life really improved very radically. So I started to study that. And I ultimately found um, this wonderful Chinese master that I studied, st ended up studying under for a decade. And in my early years of studying with him, you know, we use one of the tools in feng shui are these feng shui crystals. It's a round faceted sphere. Um, and they are in the feng shui consulting industry is like, when in doubt, hang a feng shui crystal. All right. <laughs> and for those of you that are unfamiliar with feng shui, the way that I love to talk about it is it's acupuncture for architecture. All right. So we're literally shifting the energy in your environment so that you can move any stuck energy. You can you can really open up your life to receive more health and wealth and uh, abundance and good relationships and so on and so forth. So one of these tools is a feng shui crystal. And I thought, all right, we're hanging it on a string and that's fine. And eh, but there's I'm a real proponent of beauty and I, and I love things to look good as well as be functional, but I really like things to look good. And I came up with this vision one day, which was, wait, why can't we do a feng shui crystal suspended on a, a, a string of, of gemstones? Because gemstones have all sorts of different qualities. They're different colors. They have different meanings and they bring a different vibration. So I brought this idea to my feng shui master and and I and I'd actually made a sample a couple samples and he said this is a great new technology and he gave me his blessing and literally this is how Atma Jules was born and so I built this 
uh, product line of 10 different um, feng shui crystals that were based on the different uh, areas of what's called the Bagua, which is the energy map of feng shui. And yeah, I had that business, that product line for 21 years, but you know, during the pandemic, it just became too challenging and too difficult. So I, um, I put it, I put it to sleep. <laughs> Fair enough. How did yeah. your crusade to living a turned on life come to be? Well, because why would you want to live any other way? <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, you know, the crusade is because I I grew up in a very functionally dysfunctional household or numerous households, frankly. Um, I already mentioned my folks were divorced at a young age. And my mom's second husband, um, that was a home of domestic violence, um, which I got out of for high school and went to boarding school, which was great um, and and very resourceful for a young teen to do. Uh, and then when I was a freshman in boarding school at the end of that year, I actually was raped. And that was my first sexual experience. So my life was really a product for many years up until a pivotal moment in film school that was absolutely survival based. It was, I don't want to feel anything anymore. I, the trauma, the, um, the, the pain, the upset, the feelings of being, you know, having being violated uh, in new, different ways. Also having been made fun of right from the dance teacher. And then that started to happen, of course, just at school being made fun of going through puberty. But so all of these things were totally the opposite of turned on life. Again, it was survival and let me numb myself. So I don't need to feel all of the upset. But back to film school, one films I made early on was actually a, a sort of an art film, if you will, about the experience I had when I was raped. And I had not, I didn't tell anybody about that experience until, until I made the film. Like, so it, I kept, it was totally a secret. I was, I felt ashamed. I was embarrassed. I didn't, you know, I, I, you, you didn't talk about these things back then, but I made that film and that broke my silence. And it was from that moment on that I was like, I am going to live and it like enlivening, exciting, a life of healing, a life of beauty, a life of, you know, lightness and lightening up. And that really started the healing path. Um, and then, of course, as I uh, got into my 30s, that's when it became very conscious, this phrase of living a turned on life, because our societies don't pull for being turned on. And I'm not even talking sexually turned on. This is just like, have your inner light on, be excited, be enthusiastic. I mean, one of the classic success books, which I quote all the time, and it's a fabulous book, which is um, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, right? Wonderful book, terrible title, um, in my opinion, because it's so much more than the title. But there's a quote in there that says, those who lack the mojo energy, that's that life force, okay? That sex energy, which is the creative life force energy. You could, it's called many different things. Those who lack that will never be enthusiastic nor inspire others with enthusiasm. And I read that, and let me tell you something, I nearly fell over. Because I thought, exactly, that's it. That's about living a turned on life. And 
it's a, you know, our societies don't pull for that. Our societies want us to feel, you know, shameful and sort of uh, disempowered um, because it's easier <laughs> for to get us to buy stuff to fix things, right? Or things we think we are supposed to fix. But if we're all walking around feeling more turned on than not, well, then we actually have happy, lit up people who are inspiring others to do the same. So that's that's a bit of how I got there. Fair enough. All right. So we have some questions about sexual health that maybe you can answer for us before we talk about some of your absolutely incredible exploits. And one of them is, you know, they say sexual health can be the first indicator of overall health. How can we utilize our sexual health to better our overall health and optimize our life? Absolutely. So first of, for the first thing is our sexual health starts with being connected to our own bodies, right? And again, with our world of like fast food, fast cars, fast fucking, it's like it, we are hardly having an opportunity to connect into our physical bodies. I call our body a rental vehicle. Like it's the one you got for this trip. We don't know how long the, the lease is for, but this is the one. And when you begin to make friends with your body and you begin to make friends with this rental vehicle, that aliveness starts to naturally, because it's it's there. I call it mojo, right? It's You're born with it, by the way. You have, everybody has it, right? We hear people, at least I hear women who come and work with me in my mentorship program. They, you know, everyone starts and says, I've lost my mojo. And go, look, honey, you haven't lost your mojo. However, the volume dial is on low, okay? That is possible. So when you connect with your body, this gives you an opening to connect with your mojo, which then gives you this opening to be connected to yourself sexually and sensually. And that allows your body to have a higher immune functioning, uh, less stress, more pleasure. And this doesn't mean that you need to be having sex every day. You can if you want. <laughs> but sexual wellness doesn't mean that you know, you're doing it all the time. What it means is you have a healthy connection to your body and the experience of pleasure right? And how that then translates into your health overall, which I, as I just mentioned, it does boost your immune system. Of course, when we orgasm, it boosts all of the happy chemicals, right? Our oxytocin, our dopamine, um, serotonin levels. And these are wonderful for overall well-being and general health. All right. So when I told my listeners that you were going to be coming on this show, I put it out into the Twitter universe and I asked them to submit the questions and Duval Nation came through like they always do. I chose the most intelligent of the questions. And if it's okay, I'm going to ask them to you. <laughs> first one, comes, first one comes from a female listener and I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this verbatim. So bear with me as I read this. What is the best way to get my spouse to be more adventurous in the bedroom as sex has become stale, routine, and boring after over a decade of being married together? Mm, well, first of all, kudos for being married for a decade. That's a, a big accomplishment, I think, in our modern day life. And so I just want to congratulate you on that and really and I honor, honor you for that. And I love this question because, again, a lot of um, 
women who come to work with me, you know, it's, it's sometimes been longer and sometimes never even ask. So I really just acknowledge you um, for asking this question. And one of the things that I think is um, easiest to do, right, is to begin to introduce play and some games. Um, there's the obvious thing that I think, you know, many people will talk about is, hey, create a date night. You got to get out of whatever routine that you're in because everybody, whether you're a couple for even a couple of months, but certainly for a decade, you have these routines that you get stuck in. So if you don't have a date night, create a date night. All right. And then for the date night, how do you want to feel like you as the woman in this relationship and for the date night, you need to show up in your mojo and in your deliciousness. So are you going to put on a outfit that maybe makes you feel a little sexier, right? It's first about getting yourself in a space that feels really juicy to you. That can oftentimes inspire your partner to meet you there. Sometimes it can be as simple as that. Otherwise, you could um, write your partner a note, right, and leave it wherever you want to leave it. Um, but say, "Hey, this Thursday, that you know, at this time, meet me here." It could be out in the world for a date, or it could simply be like, you know, meet me in the bedroom at such and such time, and only be wearing X, Y, and Z, because. That could also shake him out of his routine and his dullness because the fact of the matter is, and I know I'm speaking in the binary, I'm about to speak is in the in the binary, but most men crave variety, right? There needs to be some kind of difference, something that inspires um, them in a way that is going to pique their interest, even if it's just a slight difference. And so th consider what way can you show up for your sweetheart and your man that would be a little bit different that could pique his interest and just see what happens. That can be a way in. And I think that's a, a good place to start. Okay. Next Twitter question comes from a female listener. I find sex unnecessary in a relationship. Is there something wrong with me? Well, first of all, no, there's nothing wrong with you. And if, if you know, there are people who are asexual and to, you know, simply that's not something that you're interested in. Um, and if that feels good and complete for you, wonderful. Then it's a matter of uh, partnering with someone who has a, a similar um, sentiment, you know, to partner with someone who is a sexual person, well, there's always going to be complication and that will probably be very difficult to be with that person. You know, you might be incredibly frustrated with each other time after time. <laughs> um, but my question back to you would be, do you enjoy being sexual with yourself? Okay. Um, because, and that you can enjoy being sexual with yourself and not with others. Totally fine as well. But I invite you to discover where is where pleasure lies for you, like where the pleasure feels um, most um, inspiring and interesting. That could be in a hot bubble bath and you just enjoy the bubble bath. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be with masturbation. Um, it doesn't have to be with anything 
specifically sexual. And I'm curious, and I would love to invite you to be curious about your own sense of pleasure and where that is. The one other thing I will say, because this, um, I see a lot of this in my philanthropy, you've all heard now a bit of my backstory, but my philanthropy is about helping to really overcome uh, uh, abuse um, against women and certainly support women who have gone through any trauma and abuse. Because when that happens, you disassociate from your body. And obviously I don't know anything about you, but I bring this up maybe for somebody who's listening that has had some of those experiences and still has yet to um, fully process them. Because that also could be a thing that keeps you from even wanting to be physically and sexually intimate with someone because it still feels unsafe or not good um, in your body. And if that's the case, again, not because you should be having sex, that is not what I'm saying, you'd want to uh, you'd want to move through that to be able to be free within yourself. All right. So um, that is my invitation and my question back to this listener. Okay. This next listener, uh, I couldn't get the gender from this person, but this next listener asks, what do I do when my sex drive is much stronger than my partner's? Yeah, um, I hear that a lot too. And that is obviously that is quite common. Um, A couple of things. I mean, one thing is there is the conversation to be had of real basics like, how many times a week would feel good to good to you to have sex, right? Like to have a dialogue of what actually would feel good. Where can we pair up? Where can we merge? That would be, you know, maybe not ideal, right? For this person who's got the highest sex, the higher sex drive, because maybe they want to be having sex multiple times a day. And the other person wants to be having sex maybe twice a week. Right. So maybe where you come to a compromise and so maybe it's four times a week, right? You find a middle ground. Um, you know, that's that's one thing I would encourage you to have that conversation and to dialogue about that. So that helps to um really alleviate match of sex drive. I all it'll get to a space of resentment, and I would love to support you in uh, you know, totally bypassing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing. And then the other thing is, um, you know, during that conversation, there might be the part where you say, hey, look, okay, my sex drive is higher. And uh, so there's a need or a desire for me to self-pleasure more often. Like, how do you feel about that? Or how do you feel about just being with me in the same room while I self-pleasure? Because you can still have your high sex drive and find a way to be with your partner without actually having um, intercourse or uh, partnered sex right? So that could be a way where you could stay linked up and really honor both of your sex drives. Okay. This next question, and it's uh, the last Twitter question we have is from a male listener. And the question is, Mm. my wife takes charge in the bedroom. How how can I change the roles back? Sorry, the wife takes charge in the bedroom and how can... How can he change the role back to where he takes charge in the bedroom? Oh, well, you know, I'm going to say this with all the kindness and love in my heart, but 
let me extrapolate. Hold on. I'm going to extrapolate first because I don't want to just, I am a New Yorker and, I, and an Aries and I can sometimes be a little harsh. So let me don't be a be little hard. more loving with my be answer. Harsh. <laughs> harsh. Um, I mean, the harsh answer is you have to be more man than her. Okay. Because if she's taking charge in the bedroom, then she is acting and animating and living out from her masculine energy. So let's talk about that for a second, because energy is not the same as gender. Everybody's got masculine energy. Everybody's got feminine energy. Since, you know, the late 60s and early 70s, we have had a massive imbalance and we've had a huge rise in what I call the masculinization of women. And I know this very well. And all the women, I would say, well, that's not fair. 90% of the women who come to me and work in my mentorship with me come as this masculinized version of themselves because we've had to, based on survival and so on and so forth. And we were told, hey, like, you know, you got to be strong and do it like a man to survive in the corporate world and so on and so forth. But it's fucked everything up, really, for our interpersonal relationships and frankly, it's hurting all of us in our day-to-day -day lives. So from what you're describing, it does sound like that your wife, right? We said wife or partner? Uh, hang on. Your woman. It said wife. Sorry. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. That your wife is, uh, you know, being the masculine role in the bedroom by taking control. Now, she might just love being a dom. Right, right. That that might be something that she enjoys sexually. So I, I want to put that on the table in case that's a part of this. However, if that's not like in terms of a BDSM uh, sexual play, then we're dealing with a woman who is stuck in her masculine energy and you as her husband have fallen into more of the passive role and allowed her masculine to overpower yours. So you, my friend, are going to need to find a way, and this is not like caveman, grab her by the hair and be, you know, not loving and not connected. I, I don't, I certainly do not want that to be what I'm saying here, because that's not. But you've got to find a way to, when she starts to act out, be like, oh, it's so cute when you try and dominate me. Mm -mm, not tonight, baby. Right. And then like push her down on the bed. Because that's, a, I mean, it's like a yummy easy and she's going to be like, what the fuck? Like, what's happening? Because she's used to, if this is your dynamic, that she just takes charge. But so you need to find some ways that feel good to you, that you can begin to now become this more masculine of the polarity so she can find a place in her own feminine energy and just find that place and to begin to relax and to trust you as the masculine partner. Now, I do want to say that a lot of times when you are starting and practicing to switch this dynamic, there's going to be a lot of pushback on her side. It's very normal, right? It's like, there's just this sense of I've been in control and now I'm starting to feel out of control and that can, can potentially feel very threatening. So just be prepared. That might be part of the thing that happens. And for you as the husband who's wanting to take control in the bedroom, 
to do that in a way that you just keep coming towards her, keep coming towards her, hold that space, be the masculine energy, be the dominating force there, but in a way that gives her a sense of trust and safety and love. Um, and you might find that she will melt into a delicious puddle and you might have some a whole different uh, sex happening that I look forward to you telling us about. <laughs> <laughs> love it. All right. How can a fulfilling sex life make us happier, healthier, and more successful in the workplace? I mean, come on, really? <laughs> of course, it's going to make us happier everywhere because, you know, there was, um, and forgive me if if she ever hears this, um, I'm actually forgetting who was the first, there was a, a wonderful woman who said this many years ago, but like, I'm speaking specifically about women from the world, but a well-fucked woman is an absolute asset in society. Um, and I would also then say that, you know, men who feel uh, uh, that they are well-fucking their partners also feel really strong and confident and alive in their bodies and satisfied, right? So when you've got people that are living these healthy, happy, juicy, like delicious, great sex lives, of course, we're creating all of those amazing feel-good hormones, which in turn then like has you feel happy more often than not. And when you're living from a happy, you know, like I say, mojolicious place, then you are a greater contribution to your families, your society, your workplaces, because you're showing up as your better self. You're showing up in a way that has a relaxation instead of this stressed out ball of like crazy anxious nerves, which stresses everybody else out around you. And the thing that we haven't said yet during this conversation, and really the foundation of all of my work, I mean, all of it through, you know, speaking and writing and the mentoring is that everything is energy. And so you are a living, breathing sack, basically, of energy. And your frequency, you are emitting a frequency every day in everywhere and every way and place that you are. So having great sex puts you in that delicious place, right, of a, the happy hormone. Um, you know, hormone cocktail. And now you're emitting that frequency throughout all of the things that you do. Next question, you know, in your opinion, and this is your opinion, what is the secret to balancing our feminine and masculine energies as an entrepreneur? Now you mentioned feminine masculine energies, but as an mm -hmm. entrepreneur, how is the best way to do that? Yeah. And look, I, I know this so well, especially the masculinization of women, because I was I really was driving from my masculine energy for a long time, which is also what inspired me to do the work that I do because um, it threw me into early perimenopause, which I ended up healing from, but it was in my thirties. Like, it, you know, it, it was kind of crazy. So we have to first understand that we need both and that we have both every gender. Entrepreneurs, right, while we are working and we're in sort of our CEO role and while we are in our work modes and uh, those types of things, we need our masculine energy. Masculine energy is the A to B. It's the linear. It's the drive that gets shit done, right? Without it, 
you are not having a business. Like you are not an entrepreneur. Now, when you go on a date or when you're going to, you know, be sexual with your partner or when you're going to hang out with the family, as a, as a woman, and I'm going to make a giant generalization. However, I would say probably 80, 75 to 80% of, you know, vulva people with vulvas on the planet, their core essence is feminine in nature. Like that's the real energy that is more uh, truthful to, to your, your, your being. So you want to be that, but you know, you can't do that when you're entrepreneuring and in work mode. So in terms of transition time, this is what I talk about a lot is transition time and to be able to know how to navigate and move from your masculine energy into your feminine energy, which can be done very simply by getting into your body. Feminine energy lives in our body for all of us, again, regardless of gender. Masculine energy lives in our head above our shoulders, right? Above our neck. So to shift into your feminine energy, dance, take a shower, go take a bath, right? Roll around on the floor. I mean, really do something that galvanizes you to actually feel, holy fuck, I'm actually in this body. And it's really nice, right? And it's going to take some practice because if you haven't trained yourself this way, your neural pathways are absolutely more calcified to running the masculine energy through you, which again, most people in the Western world, they're running masculine energy regardless of what gender you are. Now, when you're all yummy and gooey and you're in your feminine energy and we've had this yummy weekend and you're super well fucked and you're like so happy and you've been eating good food and, you know, just like in your body, but then Monday comes along and it's like, you got to show up, you got to saddle up and show up and get back to business. It can be really uncomfortable to shift from feminine energy into masculine energy. So how you do that is you begin to literally get linear sit with a very strong posture, stand with a very strong posture. You know that like superwoman posture that there was that woman who did the TED talk and um, and it was all about, you know, standing that with your hands on your hips, you know, with your feet wide apart. And so it was like this confidence posture. Getting in that kind of a linear, strong, sort of, again, masculine energy bodily posture will also start to um, collect and shift your energy so that it aligns now with that linear masculine A to B, let's get shit done energy. And so that's really helpful as well. And you can also just start to hang out and deal with Excel spreadsheets and you know get into, <laughs> into charts and, and those types of things. Because let me tell you, that gets you out of your feminine energy very quickly. So it's really about navigating those two. And particularly for our modern day entrepreneurs, um, I do, and I love this question. I really invite you to become incredibly nimble with uh, moving back and forth and transitioning between those. Because like when you're either 
if you have a speaking engagement and you're just doing it like all for masculine energy and we're talking about a PowerPoint and your monotone tone of voice and we're going to do X, Y, and Z and blah, blah, you're going to bore the shit out of everybody. So you got to know how to begin to get into a little more of your own flow because that's going to bring the dynamic quality to the presentation. And that's more of your feminine energy, which is more rolly and up and down and all over the place. So learning how to navigate those and become very skillful is an absolute game changer. And I love it, particularly for entrepreneurs. All right. Okay, Duval Nation, we are going to go ahead and take a small break right here, but we will be right back with the conclusion of this interview with Deborah Kagan. Make sure you take the time to refresh that drink and take some super long deep breaths. You know that's right, Clouseau style. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Please pay attention to a few friends of my show, and we will be right back. Here to get drunk. <laughs> drink, drink, drink. Hi, I'm Jessica. Am I stroking? <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Sonia. We're so drunk, I'm like, ah. Hi, and I'm Don Marie. Don, Don, Don. And we are Opinionated Lushes, a comedy and society podcast where we like to drink and talk shit. Jessica yeah. doesn't. Jessica's normal. We start our episodes off with a question and a drink word. We usually never stay on topic or wait for the drink word to start drinking. She's freaking out because I'm talking. There's a new episode of Opinionated Lushes every Friday on all streaming platforms. An unedited episode Saturday on YouTube. Um, I finished my drink during pre-drinks and now my tummy hurts. If you want to grab a drink with us. Any kind of drink and get ready to laugh. Make sure to follow. And bring your opinions. Hello Duval Nation, Derek Duval here. Mental health is not only a top priority in my life, but it should be in yours too. As a combat military veteran, I have seen what untreated mental health looks like, which is why I've been using a therapist for well over a decade. Seeing a trusted therapist has helped me reconcile life events and other important things I've been witness to since returning home from the service and has changed my life for the better in many ways. Which is why going forward I am pleased to announce that BetterHelp will be sponsoring The Derek Duval Show. BetterHelp is the world's first therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you can expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you. More scheduling flexibility and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. That's betterhelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. Hey there, this is Frankie Ray, and you're listening to The Derek Duvall Show. My latest single, Over Now, is available on all streaming platforms. Hope you like it.
This is Marielle Sanji, the author of The Absinthe Frappe from LSU Press. Have you ever wondered about the mysteries of absinthe? The spirit is packed with history, and in my book, I explore the myths and facts behind this elusive liquor. What is it about absinthe that appealed to artists like Vincent van Gogh? How did the absinthe frappe cocktail take the country by storm in the 19th century? Why was absinthe banned? And how were the restrictions on absinthe lifted? Dive into the world of absinthe in the absinthe frappe, available wherever you prefer to buy your books. Hey, it's Michelle Fabre, and you're listening to The Derek Duval Show. You can hear my brand new single, I'm All That I Need, on all streaming platforms right now. Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? If you want Kleenex for your classroom, maybe you should think about buying your own with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts. Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy. It is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on Warriors. We've got this. Janae Sergio, arriving. Hello everyone, this is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, a veteran's journey from homeless to hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in Operation Enduring Freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Welcome back to episode 203 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back to it with the conclusion of our interview with Mojo Recovery Specialist and the author of the new book, Undressed, an invitation to claim your erotic nature, Deborah Kagan. How important was it for you to write that first best-selling book, Find Your Me Spot, 52 Ways to Reclaim Your Confidence, Feel Good in Your Own Skin, and Had Lived to Turn on Life, which, by the way, is a great title for a book. Thank you. I uh, It was super important. I mean, you know, uh, I, I, that, it, it, the first, it was the first thing um, that I knew I could help people to have a very simple uh, book. It's not a complicated book at all. In fact, most of the things that I share and I teach are super simple. I'm not going to say they're always easy because we love to complicate shit, (laughs) but the actual tools are wildly simple. And that book is is really this uh, clarion call to become 
aware and conscious of using your senses. Now, why? Well, we're living our lives through our five senses every single day, but we're mostly doing it on autopilot. And when we switch that into actual drive mode, like manual, you know, stick mode, and where we become uh, enlightened and awakened and very conscious of our senses, this is when your mojo and that life force and that enthusiasm can come online again. And uh, so the book was really important because it was a, a useful and very simple tool to support readers in knowing how to do that in a fun um, and easy way. Hmm. How rewarding has the response for that book continued to be for you? I mean, amazing, actually. And what I, I you know, my work is, is specifically, uh, I do work with women specifically and in, in, again, in my mentorship and all my programs. Um, and I, you know, I write for women. However, my tools aren't gender specific. And so um, the feedback over the years, particularly from men, has been deeply rewarding. Uh, because again, it's, it. I think it takes a, um, a really potent and powerful man to be able to pick up something that is really for a female audience, but go, you know what, there might be something in here for me, or let me learn from this too. Uh, so that's been, that's been really very rewarding. Well, speaking of reading, I want to talk to you about your new book releasing on October 24th, 2023, Undressed, an invitation to claim your erotic nature. Where did the inspiration come from to write this book? Oh, you know, it's, I, I got to say, most of my stuff is channeled through. All right. So, um, but the inspiration, there's not enough conversation about our sex lives. And like I said, there really isn't good sex education. And this book first started with the stories. So so let me just share the, the structure of the book real quick, because I think that'll give context for how I got inspired. But the structure of the book is in seven sections. And it's based on the seven power centers of our body, right? We have these power centers that support different qualities, and it helps to move this mojo and this life force through us uh, from, you know, root to top. And obviously for a long time now, I have been very passionate about uh, people being able to tap in to their uh, their mojo, their life force, and live that turned on life, first through their home and environment, right? As my, those feng shui years. And then now for almost, oh gosh, over 15 years with women and through the mentoring and the rock your mojo work. So Th that was the overarching impetus was to give the reader some a new tool to be able to do that. But what I realized is I did a lot of spoken word uh, probably 15 years ago, actually. And, and I was writing these essays and they were based on sexual experiences. I would be writing about my own vagina, I would be writing, you know, there's one story called um, my vagina is a fruit salad, right? So I just found that I was writing these pieces that were very uh, sexual in nature. And the reaction was all over the map. I mean, some people loved it. Some people were shocked and like, how the fuck can you actually get out in public and say these things? You know, you heretic. <laughs> but um, <laughs> really, I mean, it was it was across the board. <laughs> so what I knew, though, was every time that I shared a story, 
somebody like let go of uh, some shame that they were holding around their own body, around their own sense of sexuality and pleasure. And that was enough for me to go, okay, I'm going to keep going with this. So the seven memoir pieces, because the book in these seven sections, it starts with an overview of each of the power centers so that you understand what it is, when it's in harmony, when it's not in harmony. Then you go into this erotic story. And I wrote these stories about experiences I had with different lovers that really enlivened and opened up the qualities of that power center with me and for me. I didn't know that was the case while the experience was happening, but when I started to look at it, I went, oh, this falls in line with really awakening um, my complete erotic nature. So I shared those stories because I've never been this vulnerable really in in public and certainly not in a book (laughs) that people can have for the rest of their lives. But I shared them because, again, women specifically learn through osmosis. And when you hear one woman's story, it helps you to not feel so alone. That was a big reason. And then at the end of each of the sections in the in the book, I walk you through practices, a sexual practice, as well as a spiritual practice. And those are where my mentor cap comes on and my sexual expert cap comes on my, you know, the wellness cap. And I am, you know, it, it, it was because, again, there's a lack of this education and I want every woman to feel so alive and so good in their bodies and know what pleasures them just for themselves. And if they want to, at that point, share that with a partner, translate that with a partner, say, hey, maybe we could do this together and and help me work on this so I can uh, come alive in this way with you. Well, now they have a tool to be able to do that. And and I think I do it in a way, and I've had you know early readers and some great blurbs about the book already that says it's done with humor, it's done with lots of love and lots of kindness and compassion, because certainly, again, anyone that has gone through any type of assault or trauma, it can be really triggering to begin to open yourself up in these ways. And I deeply wanted a resource for those women who have gone through those things like myself to um, to be able to get free. All right. Without giving away too much, as we want people to buy and read the book, can you give my listeners a sample of how some of the how-to practices to discovering one's erotic nature? Yes. You want to do one with me right now? If you want. <laughs> you ready for it? Go for it. Um, so listen, so there's uh, one of them is this great breath work. There's You're going to hear me talk about deep belly breathing all throughout the book. Why? Because here's the deal. Your mojo has a power source and it is between your belly button and your pubic bone. Every single person. All right. Because again, everybody doesn't matter your gender. You all, everybody's got these seven power centers, but the real home of your mojo lives below the belly button and above the pubic bone. This is why throughout the book, you're going to hear me talk about deep belly breathing. It's an internal stoking of the flames of your mojo. All right. So that's one thing, but we're going to do a little bit of a different breath. We're still going to inhale 
and go all the way down to our low belly, right? Because we want to pick up that fuel, that mojo fire, but and we'll inhale through our nose, all right? But when we exhale, we're going to be exhaling just through, just open your lips a tiny little bit, and we're going to make this, it's almost like a motorboating sound, all right? But it's okay. a sound. Okay. And we're going to do that through our lips, all right? So we're just going to do three rounds of that. And then I'll explain, but I, and I'd really love to hear, you know, how you feel. Just three, okay. It's like three simple breaths. All right. Let's do it. Okay, cool. Okay. So if you can, what, um, I don't know how you're sitting right now, but I'd encourage you to just uncross your legs, yep. you know, feet on the floor, just yep. have an like open body. All right. Because all right. we legs crossed, we're cutting ourselves off. Okay. All right. So we're going to inhale through our nose, right? Take that nice deep belly breath. And we're going to exhale with that really ring out all that breath. Okay, go ahead, inhale again. Exhale with the V. One more round, inhale through your nose. And exhale with the V. And then go ahead and just come back to normal breathing. Feel good. So Derek, how does that feel? I feel relaxed. Like, describe it a little bit. Uh, I feel yeah. a lot, lot lighter in my chest. Yes. Yes. Anything else? Uh, my vision seems to have cleared up a little bit. <laughs> truly? Yeah, truly. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. So this Super simple, right? We literally only did three rounds of it, but I walk you through this practice. It's in the fifth section. And the fifth section is about your throat, your, your center of self-expression. Okay. But I love, you know, you were saying, Hey, I felt it in my chest. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and you also, your vision got more clear. So we never know exactly like what might open up for you. But the point of that breath is really opening up so you can have a greater sense of being able to express yourself. And for many women, this is particularly a super challenge in the bedroom, right? So that's one of the things. And obviously, I walk you through, you know, in more detail and finer detail of how to go through the practice of that. So that's one of the spiritual practices in the book. One of the sexual practices is... Um, uh, what do I want to share with you? Which one do I want to share? I think I'm going to share the one because this is a beautiful thing, certainly for, for, for the, our, our with people with vulvas, <laughs> um, but definitely it's a great one to do solo, but it's also very potent to do with a partner. If for those of, of the listeners that are partnered, there's a practice in the second section which is that seat of all of your mojo and all of your creative life force, where I walk you through how to um, activate uh, your cervix. And the cervix is uh, usually only attended to at your annual pap smear, which is not always a pleasant experience. So I've heard. And so, so and some people, there might be uh, listeners out there who are like, hey, I don't have a cervix anymore. That's okay because the energy of this area is still within you. Your body has the imprint. It's kind of like when you hear of um, 
somebody who's had a, a leg or something amputated that there's like a phantom limb feeling and um you can still have this with your cervix whether you have it or you don't and so there's a practice of helping to enliven that energy and also get to a space where you could have a cervical orgasm and it's a deep beautiful super sensual wildly pleasurable experience and it can take some time and certainly um, trust of self and certainly trust with your partner if you choose to do the practice with a partner Um, but that's also in the book all right what is the rock your mojo program Oh, well, the Rock Your Mojo Mentorship Program, it's a, a year-long container for women. And it's a space and a community where women get to really be able to have my support, but also the support of other women who are becoming embodied in a way, not only sexually and sensually, but in a way of true confidence as a woman. Mojo, the four pillars uh, that I've created, really, it stands for your mindset. Right? So we've talked about some of, we've talked about a lot of things, actually, that many people don't normally think about, and yet are vital and critical to your health, your well-being, and your pleasure as a human. So we've got, we go through mindset. Um, we also go through the oracle. That's your body. That's the rental vehicle. All of the embodiment work. Then there's the J of Mojo, which is joining with the different roles that you play in life. You so beautifully brought this up about, hey, how do entrepreneurs work with masculine and feminine energy? So you might be an entrepreneur, you might be a husband, you might be a wife, you might you know, be uh, uh, somebody who's an artist, a writer. But usually we're all stuck in probably about 85% of our work mode and maybe 10 to 15% of a personal mode. But there's so much more to you than that. But somehow somebody at some point said, oh, that's not good. Or it's no, only bad girls do that. Or you'll never make money doing that other thing. And yet it's a part of you that is desperate to be seen. So I help you to become fully self-expressed by joining all the different roles. And then the last O is your oasis. And that is your environment and creating your space to be an oasis that thrives and is full of juicy, delicious, delicious mojo energy. So the mentorship, um, yeah, is this journey where you get very um, skilled, schooled, and, uh, and, and learned with all these tools so that you can access your mojo anywhere, anytime. All right. Um, this is going to move on to a kind of a fun subject just for me because of what I do here, what we're doing together. I do want to talk to you about your podcast, The Real Undressed. Yes. Tell yes. my The Real Undressed. Tell my listeners about it. Well, The Real Undressed was born out of my passion to bridge the conversation between um, sexuality and spirituality. And so it is a place where we elevate the conversation around those topics. Every Tuesday is a short episode called Truth and Tequila, because <laughs> I'm a I'm a agave spirit lover. I'm a tequila and mezcal gal. Um, and I love alliteration. <laughs> so um, Truth and Tequila Tuesday episodes are the shorty solo where I'm going to drop some mojo information for you. And on Fridays, I'm in conversation with just a delicious mojo-licious guest, whether they are a sex educator, a sex coach, a sex expert, um, or um, somebody who is uh, a uh, is spiritual, you know, a spiritual teacher or right. somebody in that realm, or an interesting person who loves to talk about those topics. Fair enough. 
And we're about to, it's so fun, actually, the week of my book launch, um, it happens to be my 300th episode. So it's kind of, it's just a hugely celebratory week overall. Well done. <laughs> 300 episodes. Oh, they, they can hear, they can hear. Uh, 300 episodes is pretty outstanding. <laughs> Congratulations. That's, that's a hell of a, that's a hell of a milestone. Thank um, you. I'm excited about it. I do want to ask you, um, you know, because podcasting is such a you know vital part of what we do here is, you know, what do you enjoy the most about podcasting? I love having conversations and I particularly love talking about anything around sexuality and spirituality. So to just get to geek out and talk about those things and normalize the conversation around those topics is is just a pleasure and a joy to me. So yeah, and and I, I I of course love when people you know write in and say, oh my gosh, I loved it when so and so said X Y and Z, or wow, that episode was it just really opened me up to A B C, or oh my gosh, it was so cool to hear from that practitioner. I just booked a session with them, right? So I I, I love to amplify these uh, these voices, and again, it's just it's it's just a true treat. Amazing. Now, the next question, I ask all podcasters to come on my show this next question. What are some of the challenges you've had to overcome as a podcaster? Um, audience, right? I mean, it's always like, how do we get it in more ears? Like, I want to be in your ears, everybody. Like, <laughs> let me in there. <laughs> so um, that is, I would say that's probably the biggest challenge. I feel really good uh, sort of production end. I have an amazing editor and you know, so we've got a, a good rhythm in terms of our uh, process and our production. Um, and I would say, you know, it's been, well, we're actually coming up on probably uh, yeah, over three years now of the podcast. And I would say it was allowing myself to trust myself in the conversations and knowing that whatever comes up is actually perfect to talk about. I do it in a very fluid, I love jazz. And so I, I really consider all the conversations like a, a, a good jazz riff, right? Um, and so getting into that trust uh, space as as the one carrying the conversation, directing that conversation and and holding the space for it. All right. I, I love that. That's a great analogy using for conversation jazz. Well done. That's a, that's a great analogy for yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, what is get undressed with me? Oh, just the phrase. It's I saw it on your website. Like, thanks for getting undressed with me. <laughs> I, yeah. saw it on, I saw it on yeah. your website. Yeah. Cause every episode I always say, thanks for getting undressed with me. <laughs> you will, you, if you, if you become a listener of the podcast, you'll hear that often. And because I appreciate, look, I get, uh, there is so much out there now. And first of all, um, so I'm really appreciative of everybody who does tune in to listen, but also because of the subject matter, I, I do believe that it is helping you to peel away layers that either are holding shame that are, uh, fear-based layers that are holding you back from being, you know, truly fully yourself and getting undressed is not just about you know taking our clothes off and being naked, though that's fun too. On the 
energetic side and the spiritual side, it's really about peeling away, taking away, undressing yourself so that like you can be with you. You literally like could stand uh, you know, metaphorically and literally naked in front of yourself and feel fucking fantastic. And so people who listen, uh, my desire and the invitation is to get undressed um, on that level. And so it's always a, a thank you for taking the time to get undressed with me. I love it. What a great line. Pierre de Coubertin said, the most important thing in life is not the triumph, but the struggle. You get a chance to talk to your younger self. What would you say to her? Have fun. Don't worry what people say. It's never about you. It's always about them. And I just, you know, echo what my grandmother said to me from a young age, which I realized is truly the root of why I do what I do, which is be beautiful from the inside out. So outside of the book launch, what is next for you? Well, I'm going on a book tour. So that's happening, which is very exciting. And that'll be going through um, probably first, probably into even actually early second quarter of 2024. So there's going to be a tour um, and heading kind of all over the place. <laughs> um, and so that's really exciting. Um, I'm all, you know, the mentorship is, is something that is ongoing and I love, we've got our, uh, I do I hold a retreat, um, twice a year with the ladies. So that's very exciting as well. And we're planning our, uh, first kind of non-mentorship retreat outside of the country, which I'm not going to say too much about yet. Cause we've, you know, putting all those kind of like final little pieces together. Um, there's going to be a phenomenal, delicious, um, uh, uh, getaway retreat to be able to sink into your mojo and particularly more of the concepts in the book und- from the book undressed. All right. As we into the final phase of the interview, I always like to ask one fun question, Deborah. What do you like to do for fun? How do you like to relax? Well, there are a lot of things. I mean, I do enjoy a good mezcal cocktail. <laughs> you know, I enjoy a good motorcycle ride. I like uh, cruisers. I like to cruise. I get to live in Los Angeles. And so um, cruising up the PCH is really fun, whether it's on my own motorcycle or it's on the back of a friend's. Um, that's also, I just adore that. It, it To me, there is a sense of freedom and pure possibility when uh, I'm just riding up the coast and you smell the ocean air. So I I love that. And I also, I love a good dance party. I don't care if it's in the kitchen. I had one in my bedroom this morning before I took my shower. <laughs> um, if it's in the office, in a parking lot, like let's dance. <laughs> nice. What well, is it jazz or do you have another kind of music for your dance party? No, old school rap and... And, and house music. Um, no, I love all genres. I do. I mean, uh, I'm not really listening to thrash metal. I will say that. And you're probably not going to hear me listening to country unless it's really bluesy country. And then I'll, and then I'll hang out. Fair but otherwise it's like hit shuffle and let's see what happens. All right. All right. What would be the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online? 
Oh my goodness. Well, definitely follow me on IG. Um, that's definitely the best place at Deborah Kagan. Um, you know, I've got my link tree there so you can find out about the tour. You can find out about whatever I'm launching and whatever's happening will always get posted there. And then, you know, if you really want to get on the, the, the special mojo list, uh, definitely come to, uh, my website, Deborah-Kagan.com. And, uh, there's a great, free video uh, training that will teach you about the four pillars. And so that's my gift to you. And that way you'll be able to be um, in the Mojo community and you'll learn about everything firsthand. All right. Deborah, I wish this interview could go on for another hour, but unfortunately I do have to wrap it up, but I will wrap it up on my favorite question. And the question is this, if the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you would like to say to the people of earth? Oh, wow. That's really deep. Um, that's a lot of pressure. Um, what I would love to say to the people of earth is that we're all just walking in the words, actually, of one of my teachers, we're all just walking each other home. Be kind to your fellow human, um, spread more love. We desperately, desperately need it. All right. The book is Undressed, an invitation to claim your erotic nature available for release on October 24th, 2023 on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy your books. Deborah, congratulations on all your success. Thanks for coming on my show and giving Duval Nation one hell of an education today. Uh, well, Derek, listen, thank you for being a mojolicious man out there. I, You are now officially in that club, and I'm so grateful for you and um, everything that you do to share with your listeners. So I appreciate you bringing me on. You're welcome. And just like that, Deval Nation, we come to the end of episode 203. I want to thank Deborah for taking the time out of her very busy schedule to come on the show and speak with me. What an absolute delight. And I really hope we can get her back on the show again down the road to take some more of your questions as we did not get to ask them all. Deborah, lady, you are one in a million. Stay super classy. Okay, tune again next time as we showcase another extraordinary person. We drop our episodes on Mondays and Thursdays, so be sure to keep checking your favorite podcast streaming channel for those episodes to drop. Also, I think it's fair to ask you, the listener, have you enjoyed this episode? I truly hope you have, so please go and hit that subscribe button to keep up today for when new episodes drop. Also, if you're feeling generous, drop us a review. We love reading what our listeners have to say about us, good or bad. We are still enjoying our partnership with the Amazing Tea Public. The Derek Duvall Show has a great little store on there. And we have everything without a logo on it, including magnets, stickers, and mugs. Plus, we have some really fun t-shirts on there that Mrs. Duvall and I added ourselves. So please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com. Go to the banner on the left that says Merch. Click that, and you'll be taken to our store on Tea Public. And once again, I want to thank them for being such great partners with the show. On behalf of myself and the entire team here at the Derek Duvall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening, we are now on Good Pods. Be sure to go on there and follow the show and subscribe. We will try to be active on there as much as possible going forward. Nostra, God bless, and see you next time, Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duvall Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, for links to merchandise and to explore past episodes. Please find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Derek Duval Show.